expanding the Nerdosphere, talking on everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between, it's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. It is episode 104 of the Down and Nerdy podcast, where you might not realize this, but Power Ring from another multiverse in DC Universe actually had a four-leaf clover on his chest, so I gotta wonder, is he Irish because he's a little skittish? I have no idea because I just don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> well, it's funny because it was from the Forever Evil arc, where a lot of people were actually introduced to him that didn't know about Power Ring, and basically, he's a scaredy cat. Yeah. All the time, instead of, like, willpower or anything like that, it's fear, but not in the Yellow Lantern version oh, of fear. So he's okay. basically scared all the time, and the ring is evil. Yeah. So it's it's actually kind of interesting, but yeah, it's a clover on his chest instead of a lantern, which oh. makes almost no sense, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about uh, St. Patrick's Day, of course. But, well, I know, but people are probably just like, wait, isn't Nick, like, uh, doesn't he love Green Lantern? Yes, but honestly, he's one of the characters I never really think of when I think of the whole Lantern Corps and everything else. Well, there's not a whole lot on, like, the multiverse of the Green Lantern right. Corps, you know? And that's one of them. Actually, when I read it, I'm like, really? Powering? Oh, okay, now I know who Powering is. Okay. <laughs> Plus, you grew up you grew up on Marvel anyway. You wouldn't know about Powering. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm James with him alongside. The Merc with one arm, Nick Battaglian. Dude, last week was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, getting to talk to Luke Mitchell about Agents of Shield and the Secret Warriors that are going on right now, and I got to tell you, I'm 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 impressed with the way they're doing it so far, and I like that. You know, we had Yo Yo a couple weeks ago. We had something new on Tuesday, and you know, Ward's not going to be Ward anymore. So I'm excited about that. There's just right. a lot. Of, it looks like they're taking those steps now. You know, it's kind of like were they listening to the show and when we were doing the, 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 you know, the mid-season finale? Because it seems like they took some notes a little bit. But, I mean, it really is, it really is going towards that, like, listen, you know, like you asked him last week, you know, what's it like having a character that people love to hate or hate to love, well, kind of a ward? And it's, it's one of those things where they're like, okay, we understand, we get it. People don't like ward, so we're going to do this with him. And it makes total sense. And like I said, when you watch, you know, Ward on screen, you know it's not Ward, and you're comfortable knowing that. So it's like, yeah, it's him, but you know at some point he's going to shed that skin of his, and uh, yeah, it's not going to be pretty under there. Right, and what did we say? We wanted more in humans. We wanted right. to see the team up start to form together instead of this, you know, anxiety and stuff like that. And he talked about that, how the kind of role reversal between him and Daisy is going to happen on the show, and we're starting to see that even more and more as everybody gets acclimated into S.H.I.E.L.D. Right, and as this, I just thought of something. The way they're doing this now with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because remember, they don't have the rights to X-Men. So in a sense, Hydra has now become the brotherhood to S.H.I.E.L.D.'s, you know, they're, they're kind of good in humans. You know right, because saying? we've got two sets now of Inhumans where Hydra's taking some, right. and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s going to have some, and then, you know, you're kind of expecting this epic showdown at some point, maybe the season finale or something like that. So I liked it. It it finally feels like they're building towards something huge on their own without the MCU. And I'm really right. hoping that Captain America's Civil War doesn't change that. But because it comes out in May, I have hopes that it won't. Exactly. Well, exactly. And, of course, this week, James, you have another awesome guest. It's going to be Shay Fontana, of course, is the writer 
your DC superhero girls. Of course, Superhero High is going to be having a one-hour special on Boomerang this Saturday at 10 a.m., and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to her. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool initiative. I mean, it's really something that's going to get young girls into superheroes. I got to tell you, I was just at uh, the local Target down the street today, and the superhero girls' toys are flying off the shelves, man. You know how you go to the toy section, and there's like that one section of barren shelves? Right. That's kind of what it's like for the superhero girls, because wow. a lot of the stuff is is just gone, and, and I'm seeing kids get excited about it. And if you're, you're a nerd and you have kids, this is something you're going to want to pay attention to, especially dads. I know how hard it is. To get the kids into the superheroes, especially if you have daughters, right. this is what you've been waiting for. Trust well, me. Well, I mean, I remember like growing up in the nineties, like the closest thing, you know, I mean, of course you had your Wonder Woman and stuff like that, but for girls, the closest thing they had to a superhero were like sky dancers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like or was, Gem and the Holograms or something. Gem and the Holograms. Or like, you know, you had two Power Rangers out of like the five that you can I you know kind of consider yourself to be. And but now it's like, you know what, DC's taking this initiative of like, you know what? We're making heroes more accessible to everybody, especially young girls. And it's an initiative that it's, you know, very important. And like I said, I'm, you know, you're a dad, you, you know, and you have a son, but, you know, I don't have any kids. So, you know, down the road, you know, when I have kids, if I have a daughter, I'm going to be happy saying, listen, you don't just have to read Superman. Here's Supergirl. She's equally as awesome because DC spent the time on doing this or read a Wonder Woman comic or whomever because, they make them as equally as awesomely written as the male counterparts. And that's the cool thing. There's not only going to be the special on Boomerang Saturday, March 19th at 10 a.m., but you're also going to get comics. You're going to get graphic novels. Right. They're going to be involved in Free Comic Book Day. And we, when we broadcast live from Bob's Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards, we see a lot of young girls come in with their parents and stuff like that looking for comics and act, literally looking yes. for comics because the options just aren't there. But now those options are going to be there for that appropriate age. And I think that's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. But again, it's going to be really fun talking to Shay. We're talking about DC superhero girls. And I'm, I'm really excited because again, we also, you know, we watch some of the shorts as well. And if you want to watch the shorts, they're on the Cartoon Network app, so be sure to check those out. They're really good. And like I said, it's, it's going to be really interesting to talk to her. It's going to be really, really fun and awesome, I can tell. But that's going to do it for our intro. Come next, we have two new comics we want to review this week, or which we're going to review this week. It's what we're reading. It's coming next here on Down Nerdy. This is Luke Mitchell from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, it's that time, boys and girls. We get out our long boxes and we discuss what we're reading this week. Of course, this week, as always, brought to you by the fine folks over at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards on Aragona Boulevard in Virginia Beach. Go see Bob and all the great things he has for yourself and the nerds in your life. So, James, I'm going first this week, and I decided, you know, I'm a big horror fan. Oh, absolutely. And you know the story of the Winchester Haunted House, correct? Probably not as well as you do, but yes, I'm familiar with it. Well, I decided to pick up this comic from Dark Horse called House of Penance. Now, it's written by Peter Tomasi, and the art is done by Ian Bertram. And the reason why I say the Winchester Haunted House is because it's a haunted take on that very house. Ah. And and its inhabitants, inhabitant, uh, Sarah Winchester. Now, people who don't know much about the Winchester Haunted House, or Mystery House as it's called, let me give you a little bit of a brief synopsis of what that is. Now, it's pretty much it's a true thing, actually. And the house was being built in 1884, and it stopped being built in 1922. 
Now, you wonder why there was about 30-plus-year building sequence on that house. Yeah. Well, because it's the person living inside, Sarah Winchester, was part of the Winchester gun family. And she feared that the house was haunted by the ghosts that were killed by Winchester firearms. Which is pretty crazy, because I'm sure back at that time, that was a lot. And the reason why her house, as this, as House of Penance, this series shows... She's scared, like, hey, what about all these doors to nowhere, build these, or this little, there's a little gap here, can you fill that? So she's having these builders, like, build room on top of room, corridor on top of corridor, trap door on top of trap door, pretty much entrapping herself in, of course, in real life, her husband and her daughter are dead, as they are in this series. And I'll be honest, at first, this was a pickup for me, only because... I didn't know what this really was based about. If you go into this book, as I did, not knowing what it's about, not really doing a lot of background research until afterwards, do you go in here and say, okay, this woman is purely crazy. You see this. Plus, there's another character in here by the name of Warren Peck, who pretty much is not really a bounty hunter, but he hunts Native Americans for gold. He hunts warring okay. tribes. And so he takes he's part of this as well. Uh, I don't want to go f- too far into his thing because it's kind of s- could spoil stuff. But he's a he's a mystery player in all this. But anyways, back to to Miss Winchester, who the series is about. Again, you go into the series and you don't know anything about the mystery or anything like that. You're going to be confused. You say, okay, this is a horror thing. I get kind of creepiness here. She's clearly delusional. I mean, she's talking to like. You know, she pictures like her feeling. There's a, a panel where she's laying on the bed with like her husband's clothes and her daughter's clothes. She's like talking and singing to them. Creepy. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. And it's really creepy. So you go in here, you're like, okay, this is pretty interesting. I'll give it a few issues. It, but if you spend some time and really dig into what the series is about and you read about the house itself, this really has my interest now. Well, people have got time, right? Because the series doesn't even come out until like April. Oh, it right? doesn't come out until April, yeah. Like, I think like mid April or whatever. But it's, you have time. And again, we live in a world of internet. So you have, you know, it only takes two minutes to go on like online and see and read a paragraph of just a synopsis about the house and what, how it was built. And like I said, it was a, they were building on this house for like 30 years. And she was, they were saying, what was it like? It was like almost $23,000 in today's dollars, the amount of money like per wow. week she was spending on the house. So I mean, it was just – it's insane. I'm going to do everybody a favor right now, okay? I want you – if you've got an Android phone, take out your Android phone and, you know, get to the main screen. You ready? Okay. Okay, Google. Tell me the story of the Winchester house. Done. Listen. Just <laughs> save that. Save that little page right there. And then read that when you're done listening or while you're listening to us. And then you'll have the story. And then you can pick up the comic. And I'll say this before I get my rating. Tomasi's writing, the way he kind of creates, like, this creepy thing. You don't know what's going on. Like I said, it's just, now I know the history of what's going on. It's like, oh, wow. Like, she's freaking out. Like, for example, like one of the rules she has for people who work on the house is, like, you can stay here as long as you want. But you're giving me your gun. And that's it. That's, it sounds like a good rule for us all. It's, it's check your gun at the door kind of thing. And the art is really, the only way I can describe Ian Bertram's art is picture, if you will, Tim Burton meets 
like Victorian era, late 1800s. I actually kind of, I don't know if you think I might be crazy, but a little bit of like a corpse bride type yeah, thing a little from, bit. from the look when I was looking at the panels that, uh, that you're talking about. So there was a little bit of that for me. Scene, I can't, I think it's called something, something like, like big eyes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the art in there. It's what kind of it, it looks like a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's the vibe that I got when I saw the pages and I was kind of flipping through it too. But I mean, it looks like a neat story. So what's your rating? I mean, you said it was a pickup. So where are you standing on oh, it? Again, after, it was a pickup at first, but after doing research on it like a good person, this is a pull for me. I am pumped about this. And like Scott Snyder and a lot of people in the you know, comic book industry are, are really pumped about this series, and you should be as well. So again, uh, for me, House of Penance by Dark Horse Comics is a definite pull for me. I mean, it sounds like a great story. I can't read, wait to dive into it myself. So I dove into an IDW series this week, and you might have seen that IDW is doing something called Deviations. This is basically IDW's version of What If Comics from Marvel, where they did one where the Ghostbusters were what if they never crossed the streams, you know, and that means Stay Puffed was still around forever. Well, I decided to go with the Transformers Deviations, and this is a one-shot, by the way. So these are all one-shots, the Deviations. It's written by Brandon Easton, art by Priscilla... Trey Montano also did a little bit of the colors there, and also John Paul Bove also helped out with the colors. Tom B. Long does the letters. Now, if you're familiar with the Transformers universe, it's basically a what if Optimus Prime never died? And you're thinking, okay, James, Optimus Prime's died like 60 times. (laughs) Which one are you talking about? Well, Transformers the movie, the animated movie, is actually kind of what they're basing this on. Where, you know, Megatron guns down Optimus Prime if you're not familiar with the, with the movie itself. Which is really smart because if you're basing this off the movie, you don't have to worry about ruining a lot of canon that they've right. done in the, in the comics. And what does that do? That causes a lot of nerds to flip out and like, oh, you got all this canon, but you do this. But again, like my What If the X-Men Died comic that I reviewed last year, I believe, it's a what-if story. And right. those are one of the most intriguing stories, especially when it comes to IEW. And I mean, it follows a lot of the same storylines, like Hot Rod's still in it, and Hot right. Rod still, you know, plays a big role in what happens. I don't really want to give too much away. It's going to be really hard to review this comic, because I don't want to give too much away, because it really is a neat story and how everything unfolds, but I can tell you that that Hot Rod still plays a role in it. You've still got Unicron as part of it, you know, the eater of planets and stuff, and Cybertron is still in trouble. A lot of this stuff still follows along the same lines, and the battle sequences are absolutely amazing but i will say that there is a changing of the guard within the decepticons okay you might be able to you might be able to figure out who it is but i, I, I got an idea but i don't want to say who in case yeah, i'm right <laughs> like i said I'm, I'm, it's really difficult because i want people to read the story and get, have the same reactions that i have but let's just say one thing i can say is that this new leader of the decepticons makes a huge mistake that leads to a <laughs> even worse situation than they and, already had. And if you know Transformers, you already know who it is. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much know who it is. But for those who might not, I don't want to completely spoil it. Uh, but, I mean, the Dinobots are in here, and they play a huge role. The Matrix plays a huge role. Here's a question. We do see uh, Rodimus Prime appearance in this book. <laughs> Here's a question. At, at any point, does Optimus Prime ride... Uh, Grimlock, like like a like a pony. No, and that is why this book works out so well. <laughs> the Dinobots are actually respected, unlike certain things that we know. Um, <laughs> one thing I love about this book, and that I, yeah, this is true for a lot of the Transformers series from IDW, 
the art is beautiful. I mean, yeah. it just takes you right back to the animated series. And I mean, I know they have other series that, that are written by IDW that the art is more along the lines of the newer Transformers books. That, I mean, uh, animated series that they have up, but this one just, it takes you right back there, man. I mean, it's like you never left and it's beautiful. And the, the Dinobots are the classic Dinobots. Everybody's got that classic look. The writing is just dead on and there's tension there within the Autobots at one point. It's just dead on, man, and they capture everybody's spirit beautifully. There's only, like, one human in this book, okay? So, what what do we go back and say? If we could do this without humans in the movies, maybe it's going to make a better movie. There's one human in this book, okay? Mm -hmm. And I actually really dug this. So, I mean, you can't really make this a poll because it's a one-shot. Buy this book because if you're a Transformers fan... You're going to just love this. I mean, some of the stuff, I'm not going to lie, some of the stuff, you're going to see this coming, and that's okay. But some of the stuff, it's like, you're reading it, and you go, aw, really? You did that? That was dumb, but in a good way, you know? I mean, and then if if you if you pick this book up, read Easton's uh, at the end. There's a little there's a little why I'm the luckiest guy in the world to get yeah, an old like school Transformers real. writing job. I mean, I got to tell you, Brandon Easton was so stoked to be able to write this and it shows in the writing and everybody did a fantastic job. Definitely go buy this book. You will not be disappointed. Transformers deviations. So what you're saying is that this book brought you back to your being stuffed into locker days. It really did. Although I was kind of too big to be stuffed in a locker. <laughs> so I you're never was, really had that you're problem. Those kids, you were like 10, but you're like six foot two. Or I was a little too tall to be stuffed in a locker. <laughs> so kind of worked out. I know that that's never stopped some people. Room, but, <laughs> room closet then. <laughs> but, but it was okay. Plus I was a little bit of a spitfire too. I wouldn't go in quietly. Hey. Hey, Harry Potter's aunt and uncle stuffed him under the stairs for how long? Yeah, that's and true. Anything can be possible if you just believe in yourself. That is true, and I and I absolutely do. And I believe in Transformers from IDW. All really right. Quick. Well, that's going to do it for reading this week. We both had pretty much polls on James' case of buy because it was a one-shot. But, hey, great comics this week nonetheless. But this time, right now, we're going to head towards this week in Geektainment, and we have another interesting trailer we're going to talk about this week. Which one is it? Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy Comp next. This is Lady Ann Burke from Lucifer on Box, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, this week, Nick, not only are we going to do something different, we're going to talk about people that are a little bit different. No, this time we're not talking about mutants. We're talking about peculiar peculiar children, actually. That's right, James. This week we're going to be reviewing the trailer for Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Now people are probably wondering... Why aren't you doing a new X-Men trailer? Well, because it's pretty much the X-Men trailer is the exact same thing as we've seen already. There's not a lot of change to it. And this trailer really caught our eyes. Of course, it's from Tim Burton. And really, if you want, speaking of X-Men, this is kind of like X-Men for children in a sense. Yeah, it's a little bit different because there's not necessarily, not all of them necessarily have abilities. Like you saw the one little girl that eats out of the back of her head instead of the front of her face kind of thing. But there are certain kids with other abilities. Like when we see Jacob, who's played by Asa Butterfield, uh, when he goes under the water with that girl and she blows a bubble and it covers his head so he can go underwater and breathe underwater. That's really cool. And then she shows him where the home for peculiar children is and you just start to meet all these different kids and it's not just abilities it's different just things that make them different and this is kind of like a safe place for them exactly i mean we see a kid who is invisible we see another kid who could pretty much grow earth and kind of control grass and and just that element pretty much and 
you know, a, a little girl who appears she's got super strength because she, like, lifts Asa Butterfield up, but no yeah. problem whatsoever. But, of course, with every movie like this, there is a an, an, a villain, a detractor, of course, that's Baron, that's played, of course, by Samuel L. Jackson. Not much really known about his character or why he's going after the school. Uh, the only thing that stuck out in this trailer that was weird to me was I didn't like how Eva Green was like, I'm gone. Bye. Here, Ace of Barfield. Take care of these kids. I'm gone here. Peace. I'm assuming that there's going to be a reason. Like, she needs to go get reinforcements or something, so she's got to leave somebody in charge. Right, I'm really hoping that it's not like a deadbeat mom kind of thing where she's like, you know, I've been doing this for a while. I feel kind of tired, so if you'd like to just, you know, we don't know what your abilities are yet, but you got this, right? Go ahead. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. Like, I'm like, you know, it could have been like, I'm, you know, you could at least have a line where she says what she's going to do, why she leaves, instead of just saying, promise me you protect them, and then just see her turn to a bird and fly away. Yeah, it's I mean, like, at least... It's like, it, yeah. what? <laughs> I've, got, I've got to go call upon the blah, 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 so I need you to stay behind and keep right. after the kid. Yeah, give me a little something. So, yeah, I, I agree. That was a little weird, but what'd you actually think of... Uh, we don't know a lot about Baron, but what'd you think of the look when you first saw Samuel L. Jackson's Baron? You know, I'm going to say it's about the look. And we're seeing this a lot, like, with, with Gotham. I'll bring up Mr. Freeze from Gotham. We're seeing a lot of white hair and like green, high, like bright green and blue contacts. Yeah. And it's very meh. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, we, we you know what I'm saying? Like we're starting, yeah. to, it's one of those looks we're starting to see a lot of now because apparently it's the easiest thing to do. So if somebody look mischievous or changed. And I'm like, really guys, as of right now, you're pretty much ripping off the pentatonics, Daft Punk. Music video where they're wearing the contacts and stuff like that, and the white hair and everything else. I mean, to a degree, I mean, it's kind of been done many times before. I mean, you could even go back to times in the 80s where this was done, not right. quite the same way, but I mean, this has been done a lot of times. So I agree. I would have liked to seen maybe a little bit of something different, but you know, we haven't read the book, so maybe there's a specific description that they give. Right. You have to match it up to the book. So I get that. Um, so we'll do a little bit more digging on that, but I mean, there's a pretty. Interesting characters in here. I mean, Kim Dickens is going to be in this. Allison Janney. Dave yeah. Judy Dench is going to be in it as well. Yeah, I mean, so they've definitely, so yeah they've definitely got some star power here. I'm just looking forward to see even more of the abilities because, you know, there's going to be tons of these kids at this at this, at this this home. And I can't wait to see what other stuff that they come up with because I got to admit, when I first heard about this, I'm like, okay, so this is probably going to be like an X-Men-esque type thing or an human right. type thing. But even in the trailer, they managed to bring some uniqueness to some of these abilities, especially even in the first thing. Like I said, she blows the bubble and covers his head so he can go right. into the water. And then she kind of like – it almost looks like she sucks the water out of the room to be able to get through the door sort of thing. So I just thought that that was a really neat take. Now, I know that it's you know similar to other things that have been done, but I mean – Really hard to be unique after, you know, it's 2016 and movies have been around for like almost a hundred years now. So come on, let's, let's give people a break a little bit here. <laughs> I think that they're doing a good job and I'm actually really interested in this. Like you said, it caught my eye a lot when I saw the trailer and I saw the concept for it. I'm like, you know what? This could be one of those things that, you know, nerds need to be paying attention to. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, so they got Terrence Stamp in here, who is just phenomenal as an mm -hmm. actor as well. Like, you watch this and you're like, 
oh, this is different. Like, this is something I would go see on, like, a Saturday afternoon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. You know? And it doesn't even come out until September 29th, so I'm sure right. Comic-Con, they'll be probably at San Diego Comic-Con. We'll find out more information about it there, and I'm sure there'll probably be another trailer by then. But I just think it's going to be really interesting. And like you said, sometimes we're just looking for ways to break away from the Marvel and the DC stuff. We love it. Probably love it more than anything else. But, you know, every now and then you just need that thing that slides in there and is that break from the capes kind of thing. And I think this is one of those things. Exactly, man. I mean, you know, that's just one of those things where, you know, we, we watch this and it's like I said, it's something different. It doesn't come out until September. So we'll see what happens as the months progress and as we get towards closer towards Comic-Con, see what more announcements about this comes out. But as always, when it comes to trailers, dude... Let's give one thing we hope happens and one thing we don't happens. I'll start it off. I one thing I hope that happens is I want to be to where there's a core group of kids, which seems like we were gonna get, but they I want to be able to where you can separate them not just by their abilities. I want them their personalities to be able to stick out more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to be like, okay, well we know what makes this person different from this kid. Oh, because she can do this or he can do this. That's cool and all, but what about them as as human beings makes them so awesome? Like what, right. what makes them differentiate, you know, one kid from another instead of just their abilities? Because that's important because you need to give, especially when you're dealing with kid characters like this, you need to give them depth, especially now when it's really easy to just make them really shallow and say, okay, here's who they are as a kid. Boom, go. You're, you're the mold of a certain kid. Go. Right. But if they give them depth, that's what I hope we get. That's why I really hope we do get one thing that I hope doesn't happen is, and again, Samuel Jackson's Baron. I really hope that he. I don't know. I'm worried about him as a villain. I really am. I'm a little worried about him in this setting, actually, and that's one of the things that I am worried about is that, you know, we're used to seeing Samuel L. Jackson in certain movies playing certain roles. And I mean, even as Nick Fury, sometimes he's more the hero and then sometimes he's more the, I don't want to say vulgar character, you know what I mean? But, you know, sort of like the Pulp Fiction-esque type of stuff. This is a different world to put him in, so I'm a little bit worried how he's going to pull it off. I know that he's got a lot of depth as an actor, but I I want to see how he does, and I am a little bit worried about that. And going along the same thing, I was going to say the same thing you said about depth, so I'll play off of that a little bit. Like you said, we don't know a whole lot about the Baron character from the trailer. If you've read the books, I'm sure that you already know. But I hope that they don't skimp on the details of why he's doing this, why he's attacking these children, and why and what's the relationship maybe between him and Ava Green's characters. There might be a little bit of a history there. So what I want to see is them not skimp on the details. I mean, it might make the movies a little longer, but it'll make it more important. Like you said, add depth. Give me reasons that things are happening. And that's what I'm really hoping that we see along with the stuff that you said about the depth. Because I think, to me, that's the most important thing with the kids. That's right. And that's going to do it for this week's breakdown of Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. The trailer is out, so go check it out on YouTube. It's really fascinating. Probably one of the coolest two minutes uh, of your life when you watch this trailer. It really, really picks at your brain a little bit. But come next, it's nerd news and, oh boy... Florida Jones is coming back. Hi, this is Martin Garrow, creator and executive producer of Blindspot, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, it's that time, boys and girls, to travel around the newsstands and take our multivitamins because it's time for what, James? What? James! What? 
I said it's time to take the multivitamins and talk about the news. No, no. Oh, God. Well, the reason why we're talking like old men is because, well, Disney announced that, hey, in 2019, when, you know, Harrison Ford's going to be 77 years old, (laughs) we're going to get a new Indiana Jones movie. And guess what? Spielberg's coming back because, you know, nothing says blockbuster like watching a 77 year old man swing from the vines of death literally there's no way he's swinging from vines because that's got broken hip written all over it i mean <laughs> he broke his leg what like getting onto the millennium falcon, falcon. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let, let me preface this by saying okay we love harrison ford we do he's a phenomenal actor but this is a bad idea. I mean, what are you going to name it? It's going to be like Indiana Jones and the Cure for Dementia? Or? You can't call it Indiana Jones anymore. You can't be in Indiana. The cold weather hurts his hip. It's going to have to be <laughs> It's gonna have to have be Florida Jones, isn't it? Florida Jones. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, let's, before we dive into the story itself, James, let's just run off some, tra- some title ideas okay. for Florida Jones. Right. You go first. Uh, how about Florida Jones in the search for my missing deck shoes? <laughs> <laughs> how about Florida Jones? That's been seven years since Gertrude died. <laughs> oh, how about- Florida Jones in the search for the confusing crossword. <laughs> Florida Jones and the grandkids who don't visit me anymore. <laughs> Florida Jones and what time is Matlock on? <laughs> Florida Jones and the last sponge bath. <laughs> Florida Jones and it's time to take my pills. <laughs> Florida Jones and the blue hairs of the Lost Ark. Oh, oh that's enough for now. Oh, but... God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, why? Like, like, you know, if there's ever a time, I, I'm sorry, but if there's ever a time to reboot something, if you're going to do it, now would be the time. Like we said, hey, when we're, there's rumors about the new Oh, he's going to do another Indiana Jones. Cool. Would it be like a prequel right. where like he's younger and maybe he's going with his dad, you know, doing doing things or when, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe like right. when he's a professor or or whatever, you know? And But no, let's continue with, you know, because we didn't learn anything from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Let's just keep on going with this old man. Like, I swear to God, what's the cutscene going to be? Is it going to be like reminiscent of the notebook where it's just going to be indie flatlining while clutching the hat and whip in his hands? <laughs> Well, at least we're finally going to get a chance for Sunbeam Prunes to be used as product placement in the movie. <laughs> at least there'll it's be like, that. I can picture the movie opening up. I loved you for the most longest time ever. Dad, that's a box of raisins. I know, but it looks like your mother. It's the closest <laughs> thing I've got to her picture. <laughs> I <laughs> was mean... He, what's he going to do? Be like, get out of my tomb, Dad. You're at Mount Sinai. You're okay. Uh, I mean... I really hope that this is one of those things where there is going to be a younger character in all seriousness. <laughs> you that, 
he's going to mentor this whoever it is, and they're going to search for something. But I also want to bring up something else. We brought up Star Wars earlier. Right. Look at what's on Indiana Jones's plate here, Mr. Harrison Ford. He's got Star Wars, he's yeah. got Blade Runner, and yeah. now he's got this. Yeah. When's he going to sleep? Because you know he's going to need about 10 to 12 hours a day. Well, the thing is, you, you do know he did die in Star Wars, right? Like, but that's still, not... but come on, like, I mean, like nobody's back, ever, but... like nobody's ever come back as like a hologram or something. Right, I mean, right. Obi Wan Kenobi died in A New Hope, and if things keep going on the way they're going, if they're going to follow a pattern here, <laughs> we're going to see Harrison Ford again in a Star yeah. Wars movie. Now, well, granted, he's not going to have a huge role, probably, but still, still, I mean, it's just one of those points where it's like, you know, <clears throat> if you're going, like I said, if you're going to reboot something, now would be the perfect time. Because, like, you know, we picture, okay, Indiana Jones is going to be, like, 2017, something like that. No, 2019. And I'm like, yeah. You know, and I, and I don't mean to say this, but it's got to be mentioned. Does Harrison Ford, I know he's a very spry dude, but death at, you know, he's 77. Anything can happen. I mean, the guy survived a plane crash. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he is pretty like, invincible. Let's give him that much. Right. He survived yeah. a plane crash yeah. recently. But I'm just saying that at that age... It's inevitable. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. No matter how right. surprised somebody can be, you never know. And I, I wish him all the best in terms of his health, of course, but it's just one of those things where you got to wonder, like... No, you, you know, never know is the biggest not, point. Like, if he was, like, in his early 60s, that's... Okay, okay, he's in his 60s. That's cool. You know, 60, if you really think about it now, which is medicine, it's the new 50. But when you think about it now, you're like, man, 70? 77? Like and Spielberg's no spring chicken either. No! So let's think about that for a second, too. It's not, I mean, he's not going to be swinging from any vines or anything, but he's kind of a key piece in this. I mean, Deadline broke the story, and of course you're like, okay, the two are back, but then when you really think about it, you're like, hold on a second. This might not work out as well as everybody thinks it's going to work out. So, I mean, maybe people are upset for us making fun of this, but I mean... In all seriousness, sit down for just a second, and even as the biggest indie fan, how can you not be a little bit concerned about this? Exactly, exactly. But speaking of something that we're not so concerned of, we're more intrigued by, I'm going to let you take the reins on this one, because you're Mr. I, was, I lived through the 80s. I was born in the 80s, but you lived through them. Yes, I did. So... We love IDW Publishing. We love all the, what they do. All they got, and all their, and all their, a lot of their titles are mostly '80s titles. They got GI Joe, Transformers. The list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Well, they've kind of said, you know what? There's a little bit of '80s left, and we're just going to snatch it up right now because a mask comic series is coming from IDW. Now, I know what you're thinking: Is this the first mask comic series? It's actually not because when they were when they put the toys out from Kenner, they actually came with little mini comics with them as well. Now, if you're not familiar with Mask, if you're trying to Google it, you're not going to come up with the, with the movie Mask. That's not it, okay? This is basically, it's M.A.S.K. It's an acronym, okay? And basically, think G.I. Joe meets Transformers meets just almost kind of X-Men-ish because the masks actually give them certain abilities and stuff like that, and the vehicles can actually turn into different things. And what's funny is is that the connection to G.I. Joe is that their antagonists, the group is called Venom, V.E.M.O.N. So it's kind of like, okay, let's just play off the G.I. Joe thing. These guys were pilots too, don't forget about that. So it's very interesting. 
Well, remember, this is also coming off the news. Remember, a while back, they said that you know Hasbro announced that, yeah, we're going to incorporate Mask right. also into the G.I. Joe Cinematic Universe as well. Micronauts was involved in yep. that and, and a couple of other things as well, too. Yep. And so it's like, it's really cool seeing how, you know, we're going to get this, this you know, when we look at, look, look at TV right now, look at the DC TV universe, especially on the CW. You know, we're getting that Flash Girl crossover. We got Flash and Arrow, of course, crossing mm-hmm. over and Legends of Tomorrow. Now we're seeing it in movies with these certain properties that will ma- that will match. Like, you know, you have Mask and G.I. Joe together. And, and, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting. Like, I've never – I don't really know anything about Mask except for, you know – Oh, the toys were so cool. Man. Well, I, that's the only thing I know is I just <laughs> know the toys and that's it. But, I mean you – know, The I really animated series, series actually ran for like – Two or three seasons, I think it was. I think they had almost 100 episodes right. of the animated series. And I loved it, man. And the little masks that came with the figures. And the figures weren't huge either. No, they It wasn't small. like your regular scale figures like they had for G.I. Joe. Um, they weren't that size. They were actually a little bit smaller. But it, that's why – because the vehicles, they made a little bit smaller. And actually, in a way, it made it cheaper and was made kids be able to get more of the toys. So, I mean, you had the, like the giant G.I. Joe planes and stuff like that, USS Flag. That stuff was huge and it was expensive. With masks, they scaled it down a little bit. What still gave you the cool masks that you always lost. So you'd be upset when you lost the mask kind of thing. But the vehicles were smaller, so it, was, it made it more accessible to kids. And I loved it. And who didn't? I mean, if you lived through the 80s, tell me you didn't take your mask toys and your G.I. Joe toys and play with them at the same time. You totally did. So this is taking your childhood playtime from the 80s and putting it in comics and in movies. And if anything meshes together, it's G.I. Joe and mask. Right. This was a crossover that's waiting to happen. Right, and, and I want to talk about, before we move on to our last story, I want to talk about something that you know, like I mentioned in the beginning of this one. IDW pretty much now has dominated, in terms of comics and what they own as properties, the 80s. They own a decade. Yeah, put, of, put Back of, to the Future of, in there as well. Yeah, of course. Exactly. exactly. They, own a, they own, you know, Turtles even, dude. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, they own an entire yep. decade, even if I kind of, you know, throw in a little bit of 90s in there as well, they own a decade and a half of stuff. So what's your take on this and how this one comic company, because we know, like, of course, Marvel and DC have their rich history going way, way back, but this is huge because you're not just taking things from, you're not just taking the things from the decade, you're taking some yep. major, major, you know, properties from the 80s and you're saying you know what we own all these now you know we're, we're publishing all these works now with these characters my take is boom studios said we better go grab power rangers before yeah. idw decides to invade the 90s too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i i think that this is really great honestly i think that um one of the things i love to see is when they and this is a perfect venue to do it is in comics because there's always a little bit of a what if when it comes to movies and tv shows when you're adapting basically toys in animated series but when you're doing it in comics it gives you so much more freedom and it's so much less stressful i think right too right. so i can't wait to see exactly where they go with this As a matter of fact nick we've got a li- we got another little bit of a surprise from you mentioned the DC universe, we got a little bit of a surprise there this week as well. Something coming back that we thought was gone. Yeah, well, Lobo, of course, you know we th- it was I believe back in '09 or so. It was, it was a few years ago actually, where they said, "Hey, we're gonna have a Lobo movie," and then of course it went the way of Venom for Marvel and it got scrapped. Well, now this is according to the rap. Warner Brothers has tapped Wonder Woman screenwriter Jason Fuchs to write their upcoming Lobo movie. And from what we're reading and hearing. 
He's going to scrap everything and start from square one. And yes, it's going to be the main man Lobo, not the new Colin yes. Bun Lobo. Yes, and no offense to Colin and Riley, but thank goodness for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you got to do the main man. Obviously, this is going to be a rated R movie, and I'm very interested to see with the like you said, the rap breaking the story. Very interested to see where they go with this because you know we've talked about risks in yeah. movies from Marvel and DC. You look at the slates. This out of either property, I think, has to be the biggest risk. And I'll tell you why. Now, Lobo has his following, and, you know, he's the ultra-violent character, but a lot of people like to compare him to Deadpool in that regard. This is not Deadpool. No, this is not. Because the humor aspect is not there. No, it's... Not nearly to the effect. It's it's honestly, you want to take Guardians of the Galaxy, make it really, really dark, and, and take out the humor, that's Lobo. Yeah, and... Deadpool's humor, and I think that you'll agree with this to a, to a certain extent. Deadpool's humor is what made that movie accessible right. to everybody, to the general movie going public. So, I think that this is a little bit of a risk. I'm not saying it can't work, but you better cast the right person as Lobo. Well, exactly. Because remember, back in 2009, when this movie was in development at Warner Brothers, Rock, Dwayne the Rock Johnson was tapped to be Lobo, but he's now, of course, playing Black Adam, which is a much you know, fits him a lot better, I think. And of yeah. course, Guy Ritchie was supposed to direct it. And so now, again, it's, it's going to come down to the script. How are you going to do this? Because again, he's a very dark character. You know, I mean, he's right. not the nicest guy at all. He's a, he's brutal, you know, and, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, what Fuchs does. And right. also, this is a risk as well because. We haven't seen Wonder Woman yet. That's still filming, yes, I believe. Exactly, it is. So, so that's also a risk. So Absolutely. If Wonder Woman comes out and it's not as good as we think it is or will be, what does that say? Like, oh no, they got the guy who did Wonder Woman. Now he's doing Bobo, and Wonder Woman wasn't so good. But well, you know, there's it, a lot of risk in this. Well, part of the problem too there is that there's no similarities really at all between the two right. characters and the two properties. So. Are we going to see some, maybe Wonder Woman's awesome, and then you look at Fuchs and go, well, is he suited for Lobo? Because it's not necessarily the same thing, and I know people can have depth, and they can do different things with different characters. I'm not saying he can't do it, and I'm not saying that one's going to be good, one's going to be awful. I'm just saying that, to me, there's no parallel there, so either they've got a lot of faith in him as a writer to be able to put together two different kinds of stories, or they're just taking a shot. But I'm not, I don't think that this is a done deal by any stretch. I think that this could certainly go by the wayside again. And I think a lot of this, like we've talked about before, will have to do with the success of the main DC Cinematic Universe as well. Exactly. That's going to do it for Nerd News. But come next, we'll be sitting down with Shea Fontana from DC Superhero Girls. We're going to talk about Superhero High, which is going to be premiering on Boomerang. It's a one-hour special on Boomerang this Saturday at 10 a.m. Shea Fontana, come up next. Right here on Down Nerdy. This is Rick Remender, comic book nerd of note, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, this Saturday, we're going to be getting our cape on because we've got Superhero High, which is going to be a special on Boomerang at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. Of course, part of the big DC Superhero Girls initiative. We're so excited to have the writer for a bunch of DC Superhero Girls stuff. It's, it's Shea Fontana. Shea, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you about DC Superhero Girls. 
It's, it's an awesome pleasure to have you on as well. And what's cool about this now, Shay, is that we're living in an awesome age where female comic book characters are being awarded bigger platforms and various forms of media. So when it comes to the world of DC Superhero Girls and the Superhero High TV special, what is your ultimate goal as both a writer and a comic book fan? I think we just really want to bring these awesome female superheroes to the forefront and give them a platform where they can really show off their superpowers and that they're appreciated for it. So I think it, as a comic book fan and as a writer, I want to show these girls for everything that they are and give them a chance to be the heroes of their own story. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, being able to write just one of these characters would be amazing. But how, is it, how exciting is it to actually be able to bring all of them to life and kind of in a different way for each. It's really amazing. And it's really afforded me an opportunity to really get into the DC comic book canon. Um, there's a lot of these characters that even though I was a DC fan starting out that I wasn't really familiar with, like Bumblebee and Katana and a few of mm-hmm. the other ones that we're going to be bringing to the forefront. So it's been so much fun to say that I get to write comic or to read comic books as part of my job. So it's really been fun to take these characters that we love from the comic books and reimagine how they might be in high school. So we're, we're doing a, it's an alternate universe. So, you know, people like Wonder Woman and Harley are now the same age. We kind of fiddled with their backstories since if we were going canon, a lot of their backstories didn't happen until they were older and out of high school. Um, so we've we've played with that, and it's been so fun to take these characters and think, you know, what would a teenage Wonder Woman look like? What would teenage Batgirl look like? So it's really been a pleasure to play in this awesome DC Comics sandbox. Oh, exactly. And, you know, people who don't know, the Superhero High TV special follows Supergirl on her path to becoming a superhero. And after she teams up with Barbara Gordon, and Wonder Woman, without spoiling anything, what are some things the three of them will come to learn about each other as they move forward on this journey? Um, one thing that I really love about this upcoming special is we take Supergirl, who is the strongest person on planet Earth, and we pair her with Barbara Gordon, who uh, may or may not be becoming a superhero herself. <laughs> but she doesn't have any of the traditional superpowers that we, you know, she can't fly, she can't punch someone across the room, but she has this amazing brain and she uses her brain in the same way any of these other characters use a superpower. We really come to realize that superpowers aren't just these traditional kind of super things, but it's the way that that girl um, takes her technology and she takes the things that she's making and the gadgets and she uses those to be her superpower. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, if you look at some of the shorts and even the trailer for Superhero High, you have such an amazing voice cast that they've lined up for this. Even people from Teen Titans Go, previous voices on other animated series. So are there a couple of them that kind of stand out to you that really brought their characters to life during the process? So it's like picking your favorite child. That's that's a hard question. (laughs) 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 You know, the voice actors all were really amazing and really great to work with. I love that little hint of of something just a tad sarcastic in Batgirl, just a tad like she she knows what's going on and she's completely confident about mm-hmm. how she is interacting with these heroes. And I love the vulnerability that 
Supergirl brought to the role. So I think all the actors, um, you know, like Beast Boy, who is played by his original King Titans Go actor, is just, he's been doing this role for, I don't know how many years, and he he is Beast Boy now. So I think somehow the, the two, the, the actor and the character have merged and they've become one. So it's, it's really fun to see what he brings to the role. And even in the first recording, things that I just picked up from him as a person that I started adding to Beast Boy's dialogue. So if people who are tuning in, Superhero High premieres Saturday at 10 a.m. on Boomerang, and the animated shorts are available on the Cartoon Network app. And we're talking, of course, to writer Shay Fontana. Now, here's a question for you. If you could attend one class at Superhero High, what would it be, and who would you like to have as your roommate? <laughs> Ooh, um, a class at Superhero High. Well, I I think it's going to be the PE class with Coach Wildcat, where um, he teach a, teaches you how to get into your super strength. So I think that would be the class that I would really want to, you know, learn how to hone my, my super side in. Um, and as far as a roommate goes... And definitely not Harley. She's <laughs> playing her music way too loud. Um, probably Batgirl. I think I think Batgirl would be a pretty good roommate, and she always has all the coolest stuff. So, as long as you don't get sent to Vice Principal Grodd's office, I think you're good. <laughs> he scares me. Yeah, a lot. It's, it's a, Amanda Waller scares me, so I guess I guess that works both ways. Now, in addition to Superhero High and all the great shorts that are available online at DCSuperheroGirls.com and, of course, the Cartoon Network app coming up, DC's actually already lined up two graphic novels that you're going to be writing. There's also some stuff going on for free comic book day. So what's it like knowing that DC's kind of put this kind of commitment into getting young girls into superheroes now? You know, it's really awesome that DC has stepped up to the plate and made superhero females a big priority for them. So it's, it's, this is the kind of show that I would have loved to watch when I was a kid. So it's a really an honor to be part of it. And it's, with the graphic novels, it's really, we're really reaching girls wherever they are and not just girls. We want, we think this is something that families can enjoy together. So. It's really nice that DC has made this push and done this commitment for this uh, generation, and really not just not just the females out there, but boys are going to like it too. And it's something that shows that girls can be empowered. Well, exactly. And what's cool is, like you said, like you mentioned before, with you and James, the whole Vice Principal Grodd and Amanda Waller. What was it like having to kind of take those characters and put them in those roles, knowing their history, like knowing these aren't great people, but like. And I see Amanda Waller in the shorts. I'm like, who is that? And she goes, oh, Principal Waller. I'm like, that's Amanda Waller? Like, that's really cool. <laughs> well, it's, it is a, it's a different universe. So maybe they aren't great people in the canon, but we have reformed them a bit. But we really are, we're focused on keeping the key characteristics of all the characters true to what they are in the canon, even though their circumstances might be different here. So, you know, Amanda Waller is a hard-nosed principal, and she's not mm-hmm. going to let anything get by her. Um, so it's really fun to take these characters and know that maybe in 10 years, the girls that are watching the um, watching this animation now are going to be reading the Suicide Squad comic books and be blown away by what Amanda Waller's doing there. 
Yeah, that I love, that it can grow up with the kids that read the stuff a little bit later on, and they go, what? That's Amanda Waller? No way! She was really different. Yeah, we, we definitely love that. And as a matter of fact, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to ask you kind of in a different way. So when you were growing up, you said you would have been a fan of the show. So if you could have got the traditional superhero lunchbox that Nick Nick had and I had, who would have been on Chef Fontana's superhero lunchbox? Um, when I was a kid, I was definitely a big Batgirl fan because I did grow up with the Batman animated series, and I liked that she was a normal girl that used her smarts to become super. So I think back then I would have had her on my lunchbox. But now I, I really fallen in love with Starfire as a character. I think she's just a ton of fun to write. So, so I think if it's my lunch box now, I might have a Starfire lunch box. Wow! Wow! That's that's pretty pretty interesting. Actually, that's actually good. That's a really different and awesome choice. That might exist. <laughs> yeah. No, actually. <laughs> Might just have to do that anyway. But we're really looking forward to Superhero High, which premieres Saturday at 10 a.m. on Boomerang. Of course, the animated shorts, if you haven't seen them already, are going to be available on the Cartoon Network app. Also, look for the DC Superhero Girls graphic novels coming up here in a couple of months. Also, free comic book day. If that's not enough, go to your Target store. They've got the Superhero Girls collection of toys, dolls, dress up, everything that you could want. If you're a young girl yourself or just you've got daughters that are into this, you're good to go. Thank you so much to writer Shea Fontana for joining us to talk about Superhero Girls and Superhero High today. Thank you for having me. It was really fun to be on your podcast. Well, James, I got your report card. Apparently, you failed Red Tornado's flying class. Oh, come on. I was twirling perfectly. That was gym. That was gymnastics. This is flying. They're two different things. Twirling, you do in gymnastics and gym. Flying class, you had to fly through beams and not get hit by goop. Okay. Yeah. I'll try better next time. No PlayStation for you for a week. Oh, man. I've been (laughs) trying so hard. (laughs) (laughs) But it was awesome having having Shay on, of course, from DC Superhero Girls. And you know what? Like I said, we were talking about this when we were off mic. We're two guys, and we're well into our 20s and our 30s. We were watching the shorts, and we were hooked. Like They're good. And they're good. And not only okay. that, but you know what we see a lot? We don't see a lot really in cartoons now? Color. A right. lot of color. A lot. And the and the animation style that they're using on this is a little bit different. Right. And I dig it. I yeah. like it a lot. It it's even works. different from Teen Titans Go as well. So, I mean, it's just – and to hear the voices from Teen Titans Go and yes. hear Tara Strong as Harley, I'm like, man, they are going with continuity there. It's awesome. Yeah, and they, they're sticking true to it. And I think it's also important they do that because, again, they're intro- you're introducing this new generation of girls to this, this comic book world. And why not give them, you know, because parents now are, are the age of us and they grew up in the 90s and stuff like that now in the 80s. So it's like, hey, let's give them the voice of when they're, the girl who played Harley Quinn when their parents were younger. Right, exactly. And stuff like that. So it works. And like I said, the shorts are about, they range from like one to two to three minutes, but they work. And like I told, you know, Shay, I said, when I first saw like assistant principal of Gorilla Grodd and Amanda Waller, I'm like, that blew my mind. Cause I'm like, yeah. that's, it's a different universe, but you don't expect Amanda Waller 
nice high school principal. Right, exactly. It was just a, so for us, it's it's actually it's actually the reverse effect that the kids will have. And she said, you know, imagine a kid picking up a Suicide Squad Squad comic later on in life and going, whoa, oh, yeah. Amanda Waller. For us, it's the exact opposite. So I I do think it's cool. And and one of the reasons we wanted to do this, we were talking about this off mic too. This is an important initiative. Oh yeah, to get young girls into comics. We've talked about the Saturday morning cartoon stuff. We've talked about getting more women and girls into comics, and this is a major initiative by DC to do that. And it's just the demographic they're going for. It fits it to a T. This is going to work so well. Saturday at 10 a.m. on Boomerang Superhero High. That's going to be their first big special that they're going to have. And watch it and DVR it. That way you can just enjoy it over and over and over again. Watch it live because there's a lot of great stuff coming from DC Superhero Girls. And don't forget, it's a one-hour special as well. Yes. So that's even more awesome, DC Superhero Girls for you and your, you know, your daughters. And hey, like I said, we're guys, but we like this a lot. Like, it's it was fun. You know, it was, I'm not going to lie. I felt sad for them because I'm like, I don't have a daughter. Like, well, I'm I don't have a daughter either. I've got a son, but the Flash was in there too. Green right, Lantern Green Lantern was, in there. was there. I saw a Green Lantern. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. There's something in it because you know they're. That's the great thing about this too. We didn't really touch on it all. Is that outside of the whole Supergirl concept? There's this whole mystery team with Hot Girl and and Flash and yep. Green Lantern, and they're yep. kind of solving a mystery within it, which is pretty interesting. It's like, you know? it's like Scooby-Doo mysteries, yes! but with superheroes. So, yeah, that was a very cool angle that they played up as well. So the main focus is on the girls, but the guys are in there, too. I'm actually going to have Jameson watch it with me on Saturday morning, see what he thinks, check it out, you know? Exactly. I'm just going to picture going to your house. You know, that's my nephew you're talking about. I'm going over your house. All of a sudden, Jameson's spinning like Wonder Woman. There you go. Hey, I'm cool with that. <laughs> get, your cape, get your cape on, son. <laughs> but that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down Nerdy Podcast. And again, we want to thank Shay Fontana, the writer, of course, for DC Superhero Girls. And don't forget the one-hour premiere of Superhero High, the special there. Premieres this Saturday, March 19th on Boomerang at 10 a.m. But hey, if you want more of Shay Fontana on Twitter, be sure to hit her up at Shay Fontana. It's S-H-E-A-F-O-N-T-A-N-A on the Twitter. We're on Twitter as well, at downer 757 I'm at Merck with one arm, Mr. Witham. I'm at James Ace Witham. That's W-I-T-H-A-M. Not only can you find DC Superhero Girls online at dcsuperherogirls.com, you can find us online as well at downandnerdypodcast.com. As a matter of fact, we're going to have all the links up there for DC Superhero Girls. We'll find, we'll give you information on how you can get to the toys and stuff like that for your kids. Of course, also at downandnerdypodcast.com, Nick and I have two more comic book reviews that you can read other than what, you, what we're reading that you heard earlier. And also find out everything else that's on this week's episode, downandnerdypodcast.com. Yep, that's right, James. And like I said, his on social media, hit up Shay and F- Fontana on social media. And like I said, we're, we're interactive. Don't forget, we're on Instagram as well. That's where all our guest announcements are coming. That's where a lot of our stuff, like, for example, I was playing Uncharted in the middle of the night. I said, you know what? Let me do some narration and record it. So I did. I put up on Instagram. A lot of people liked it. So we just do a lot of random fun stuff on our Instagram. We're at downnerdy757 on Instagram as well. But as always, I leave you with this. Private safe comic book reading. Always bag and board your comics and get your capes on this Saturday.